DJ and PK brought to you in part by Salt City Youth Sports. Registration now open for Skyhawk Sports Academy summer camps. Join them for action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports. At a location near you, choose between soccer, flag football fueled by USA football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. Time to welcome in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning and welcome back to the show. Good morning, guys. How's so cur- everybody doing? I'm right. cu- we're good. I'm curious, since you obviously played at BYU in the 80s, and then you played in the NBA, and then you broadcast for a long time with the Clippers, and now the Jazz. Have you ever seen anything like what happened with Donovan Mitchell in the playoff opener? He's out for a long time. He's good to go. No, he's not. And the team's got to go out there and kind of short notice and adapt without him. It really was a little surreal, right? Crazy. Uh, I think Rudy probably said it best, right? We didn't find out till about 4 o'clock that he wasn't going to play. And so I think it, it affected him, right? The, the, the surprise factor, here you are playing or, you know, you got all. But what I've never seen before is what happened all week, right, with the play-in games. Here are the Jazz are practicing all week long and don't know who they're going to play until late in the week. That was a little bizarre. So that throws your preparation off a little bit. And then all of a sudden to be thinking we get our star back and at the last minute he's a scratch. I think it affected him. There's no question. Uh, I think I said on the air the other night that Memphis looked ready and the Jazz looked rusty. And I think that assessment was fair, but that's not even taking into the fact that, you know, the whole Donovan surprise thing where you prepared for a week and said, oh, you know, here's how we're going to attack, here's how we're going to play. And, guys, I think John Morant has a size-strength advantage on the Jazz if Donovan's not out there. You saw that. The kid can really get wherever he wants to go, so he becomes a, a, a tough matchup. As the team gets together and starts preparing and then they get to a couple hours before the game, what would you describe or how would you describe what the mood of these guys would be? The, the, I was thinking about it. And the only thing I can compare it to is like, because usually the, the reason this is a really different aspect, because usually when you're, on your own team, you know the inner workings, right? You know that, you know, Kevin McHale's out tonight, my teammate, or Larry Bird can't go tonight. You know that because of shoot-around and your own preparation, which is kept secret from the other team, right? Their coaches are even clandestine in their press conferences. He's questionable, or that'll be a game-time decision. But in the inner workings of your team, you know that. The only thing I can really compare it to, because this is so unique to me, is that oftentimes you'll get news late, you know, before tip-off that a certain star on another team is not playing. And, you know, coaches kind of have to manage the emotions of players that way, right? Like, all of a sudden, you're playing the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals and Dominique's not going, right? There's a tendency to relax and say, crap, their 30-point-a-game guy's not going to play. And so it just, I don't know. I, I, I think it threw them a little bit. Um, I think they were over-anxious to get started. 
let's just eliminate the Donovan thing because it looks like he's going to play from now on, and I'm pretty convinced with Donovan and a healthy Donovan in the lineup they can beat this Memphis team. But other than that, like, it just was a weird game. It was a weird first half. I found the Jazz rusty, yes. I found them a little over-anxious. And thus, you could tell by the way their offense flowed, or better said, didn't flow. Right? Bogey doesn't score. The shot selection was poor. Rudy gets two shots. I mean, it just was different and weird. And I know the results of the three-ball are just astounding, right? Yang misses five, and Conley misses eight, and Clarkson misses all eight. That just doesn't happen in a regular season game. So I just felt like they were so anxious to get out there and do it and prove they could that as a result, it bit them in the butt. And if you could have reversed the halves, right, and just maybe the second half was their first half, I think they win the game. But as a a result, gosh, they allowed Memphis to believe that they could win in that second quarter. That was the whole key to the game. They created and allowed Memphis to say, okay, we got a chance. And thus they got them. So all of that is in the rearview mirror and is a fact, and yet I sit here strangely calm thinking the Jazz are going to win game two, the Jazz are going to win this series in five or six games. I have so little doubt about it, I'm doubting myself about my lack of doubt, if that makes any sense. <laughs> but, hey, I overthink stuff all the time. That's why PK's laughing. It's like, well, at least he came clean and I didn't have to say it. At least he's got a little self-awareness after all these years. But do you have that level of confidence in the Jazz right now? Um, the answer is yes. Like, Donovan's going to play. The Jazz are going to be who they are. You know, two of my keys are, like, one is trust. you got to trust what you've seen for 72 games. So trust the system. Trust your shot. You can't all of a sudden now become scared to play and scared to be somebody you weren't. Go be who you were for all those games. Go be the team that beat Memphis three times in the regular season. So trust is huge. And I believe it. I, I, thought, I thought Jazz in six from the get-go. I did not anticipate a loss. But then again, I didn't know Donovan wasn't going to play. And the other factor for me is Rudy's got to be tough. Rudy's got to be strong. And, and he's always strong on the defensive end. He's got to be strong on the offensive end. Hold his position. Finish high. Keep the ball. You know, catch those lobs. And... When Rudy's that guy on both ends, that changes the dynamic considerably. And, and he's got a tough matchup with Balanchunas. Do you have any concern that Donovan might come out overhyped and just try to do stuff that, that is beyond maybe the framework of what they established? Oh, I think it's a distinct possibility. Well, that's not good. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a distinct possibility that, you know, he, he, he could want to do too much. There's no question. Uh, but, you know, this is third-year Donovan, two-time All-Star Donovan, who has a playoff series and one incredible playoff series under his belt. So, different dynamic. But, I mean, does the possibility exist? Yes. I, I felt like the Jazz themselves felt that way in game one. Let's go show them. Let's go do it. And they were overhyped and 
you know, a little too anxious. So Donovan could be. Let's hope he isn't. Let's hope he lets the game come to him. But, I mean, I'm excited. Guys, this is, this is the best time of year. This is, this is thinking what you play for. Uh, I was involved in three years of playoffs with the Celtics. And as a Clipper player, we didn't make it to the playoffs. I'm sure that comes as a surprise to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, it just, it's a different level. It's a notch up. It, it's, and, and, you know, the vets, it was interesting for me to watch guys like Bird and McHale handle it. They, they were prepared mentally to handle it. It was, it was impressive, you know, that they could ratchet up the energy and ratchet up the intensity, but yet handle their nerves. And that's what I talk about when I talk about trust and freedom. And, you know, you've got to trust what you've done, you know. Mickelson went on the PGA at 50, right? This yeah. had to stay in the moment and hit one shot at a time. Is that not the greatest thing we've ever seen in golf? I think it's the greatest accomplishment in golf history. I really do. See, I tried to explain that to Bob Casper and DJ the other day, and they scoffed at me, and that's what I was saying. The greatest accomplishment in golf, and Mike Smith just backed it up. So I rest my case. Absolutely. Well, two two things here. Mike's wrong, and you're a Sun Devil homer. (laughs) <laughs> Boom! There it is. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know the PK uh, Arizona State connection. Oh but, yeah, yeah. But listen, you could get me started on Bobby Casper and Billy because he's the greatest player that no one cared about or knew about. It's all because of going with just seeing promote kind of left to his. That's another day for another story. We're talking hoops and playoffs. And my favorite time of the year. I think that the thing that with all the stuff that's happening with Donovan that really needs to be focused on but is getting obscured, and I expect Quinn Snyder is beating this into the ground, and I don't think it's just with Rudy and Favors. and I think this is a – any five guys on the court are responsible for this. You can't give up that many offensive rebounds. That's too many extra possessions. It's too many extra shots. That bothered me way more than the turnovers, actually. And I know the turnovers were driving people nuts, but all those second shots, 16 is really twice as many as you should be giving up. I always think offensive rebounds should be in that 8-9 range. Once you get into double digits, I start raising an eyebrow. Tens uh, one You're thing. Right. You know, the, the Jazz had twelve. That's actually a really good number. G- Grizzlies ought to be talking to their players about guys. Twelve is a little too many. No, you're you're right because second chance points wins possessions, right? And Memphis had how many more shots than the Jazz? I think Memphis had a hundred shots in the game, and the Jazz were in the eighty-two range. The Jazz did shoot more free throws, but when you win more possessions, more chances. And listen, this is this is really a. a a matchup of two contrasting styles. You've got the New Age Jazz team, which is built out of the mold of the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns of the Nash era, where they're going to drive and kick and pick and roll and create havoc and chaos and then kick it out to order, and that order being the three-point shooters, perfectly established around the perimeter. And their whole premise, aside from Donovan's greatness, is those guys got to make shots. So O'Neal and Yang and Ingles and these guys, they got to make shots. And if they make shots, they're going to beat teams. Now you got Memphis. It's not grit and grind Memphis with Conley and Gasol and Zach Randolph that the Clippers face many times in the playoffs. It's not those guys. 
but it still is a contrasting style. It's still old school because they don't shoot the three well. They're athletic and big at the guard spot, which helps them against the Jazz and the Conley matchup. But they have a, a paint presence, which is what you're talking about, DJ. They, they can offensive rebound. They can throw the ball to Valanchunas on a deep catch and a post-up. And he's big enough and girthy enough that he's going to give Gobert trouble because he's going to go into him. And he shoves Gobert. He's stronger, it looks like. He, lower center of gravity, he's moving him around. So this is a battle. I think you'll see a lot of favors in this series to contrast or, you know, combat Valanchunas and what he presents. And, I mean, just think of the paint, right? Morant's going to score in the paint. They're going to throw the ball to Valanchunas. And then, of course, you can't let them get out and run. But they're not world beaters. You know, there are a few games over 500. The Jazz were, you know, 52 and 20. So you should take care of business. So now for the first time in five weeks, Joe Ingles goes back to the bench. You're Quint Snyder. What are you telling him to make sure that he maintains his level of effectiveness? Because he's an awful important piece of the puzzle that we got going here. Yeah, he's he's the playmaker extraordinaire. He wears multiple hats. He's clever. You know, he's sneaky. He's tricky. And he can shoot the lights out. He had arguably one of the greatest shooting years we've seen. Uh, he almost goes a 50-40-90 for a guy who had never shot higher than, say, 75% from the line. It just was a marvelous shooting year. No, you just tell Joe to be Joe. Uh, the, the bench factor is just... I don't know. At this at this point in Joe's career, it's not a not about being established or you know getting credibility from his peers. He now has it. You know, just the fact of being runner up to six man of the year, he's in that discussion. Jordan was the hands down runaway winner, but here's Joe, his teammate. I think that was unprecedented for both guys to be one two from the same team. It gives you an idea of the Jazz depth. But I don't worry about Joe. I really don't. He's got to shoot well for the Jazz to win, but I think I think he'll do that. So just to be clear, Mike, the reason that the Tiger Slam is the best, most difficult, most incredible thing I've seen in golf is that I think I might see another guy who is 50 win a major championship. Athletes are extending their careers. LeBron, title at 35, Brady at 43. But I'm never going to see another golfer win four straight majors ever that part that part is probably true thank you um that 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 part is true but i thought we were talking about one singular event right right so So if you want if you want us yeah let's include five or six events mike let's just change the goalposts to come up with your point whatever you want to do mike the floor is yours change all the rules buddy Nope, I'm fine with that (laughs) if we're gonna have the best pure point guard conversation with bowler let's have it Go ahead, Mike. That is the best year in golf, no question. I mean, he was so dominant, it was ridiculous. But this one event, yeah. come on. Yeah, exactly. Fill the thrill. I thought I thought my boy Nance was going to say, Phil at 50. Oh, I like I it. I think Nance said, Phil, Phil defeats father time. So he had something up his sleeve anyway. Yeah, Phil. See, Phil and I, we're like brothers, man. I mean, his mother-in-law. Same age? Uh, maybe a little older by one one other guy, but uh, <laughs> uh, Phil's mother-in-law, Mike, has been in my house in my living room in Sandy, Utah. How about that? 
You're kidding. So it was Amy Ray up here? Yes. She went to Hillcrest High School. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, she went to Get Hill. Get out of here. Yes. The pride, the, pride, the pride of Marty Haas? Did Marty go to Hillcrest? Hillcrest High? Oh, then, yeah. Then Marty yeah. Is not only, Marty's not only state runner-up in basketball. They lose to Brighton, but I think they win the football championship. Marty is also the 100-meter state champion in running or track, and he's state champion center fielder on the baseball team. Oh, That's, was he really? I did not know. Yeah, all that, that was the Hillcrest, the Hillcrest Huskies, nineteen eighty four or eighty five. Oh, cool! And I'm from California. How the heck do I know that? Because <laughs> you played with Marty, would be my guess. So, but <laughs> Marty was yeah, busting true. chops on the bus. That's why. Uh, but yeah, yeah, true. She went to Hillcrest. Uh, grew up in Sandy. Her mother had a little dance to that studio in her house and taught all oh. the girls in the neighborhood dance. Plus, she was a big sports fan. So they since they moved down Amy to San Nichols Diego too. years ago, but uh, yeah, when several years back, she was a big sports fan. I got to know her well, and she came over to my house a couple times for some from, for some uh, stuff. Wait, um, wait, 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 DJ. He's now saying that he dated her. That they were an item in high school. That he had her before. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I, I, come on. Get, get this. Amy McBride was a Phoenix Suns dancer, and I grew up in Phoenix, so I'm sure she had heard about me at some point. So, so Mike, here's 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 the deal. Because you've done the show so many times, you know us. But because you did it a lot when you were living in California, you weren't listening to the show. You don't know the backstory. Future shows as you come on. Well, I'll give you one backstory. PK's got hilarious Jersey stories. He may or may not have mobbed up gambling relatives. He may or may not have stolen his sister's car and wrecked it when he was specifically told not to take it. There's a lot of stories out there you got to hear. Well, you're right about all those things. Calling you from California and flying into the do the jazz games leaves me very limited. In my DJ and PK knowledge, even yeah. though I know you guys are the number one show. But mm-hmm. I'm moving up here. Yeah. So yeah. you won't be able to push things past me anymore after this. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll get you up to speed. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. Go Jazz. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for Commercial Appeal, is going to join us in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.